Welcome, I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. I will share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. So if you are ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This week we are taking on a listener question because as I told you, I do take requests. And this one has to do with ring nerves. And ring nerves, I think, is something that all of us can relate to, whether or not they are a regular thing for us or it happens once in a while for big events or something in between. And this listener wants to know or shares with us that, you know, she runs agility and, you know, Basically, once she gets past the first four jumps, three or four jumps, she's fine. But before then, not so fine. And what can she do about it? So I think this is a fantastic question because I think this is something that a lot of people face. And we're going to start by actually breaking down why that is, right? So um, there's actually a reason why after the first few jumps, you're fine. Okay, so we're going to break down a few things. But in this question, there are several great components that we get to talk about on this podcast. So I'm kind of excited. Um, We get to talk about ring ring nerves, of course. We get to talk about getting into the flow because really or into flow, not the flow, but into flow or into the zone. Because really, as she's using in this example, after jump four, she's fine. Well, that means actually what's happening is she's getting into the zone, right? After four, one through three or before when she's outside the ring, she's still nervous, but after four, she's kind of in the zone. All right. So we get to talk about that and we get to talk about the power of leaping or taking a leap, right? And then we get to talk about, um, you know, your the mental space. Okay. So lots of juicy goodness here to to dissect and to get into. And the first half of the podcast, of course, is going to be kind of why this happens. And then the second is the solution or what you can work on. Remember, mental game is practice. So we always have to be uh, practicing, practicing. It's kind of like yoga. Yoga is a practice. Your mental game is a practice. But I always think it's important to start with why it happens because for me, at least, once I know why, then it kind of takes the mystery out of it a little bit. And once the mystery is broken down, then the fear begins to subside too, because now I have a name for it. Now I know what exactly is happening. And once I know what is happening, and there's actually mechanics behind it, now I feel like I'm a little more in control, right? Because some of what ring nerves or nervousness or any type of anxiousness or fear is, is that feeling that you are out of control, that something is happening to you. Or I've had clients describe it to me as they don't want that feeling to happen again, right? But that feeling in those examples is something that's bubbling up from inside, sure, but they feel like it's happening to them, that they are the victim of this. And so I think by understanding where it comes from, then we start to feel like, Like I said, it's demystified a little bit and we are actually empowered in control to do something about it and therefore don't feel like as much of the victim in 
kind of what is bubbling up, if that all makes sense, right? So we want to try to break that cycle, right? Get you more in control of the situation so that you can um, decide, right, if that tingle in your toes and those butterflies in your stomach are excitement or if they're anxiety, ring nerves, anxiety, fear. I'm going to use those all interchangeably for this um, this episode, all right? So let's jump in. So um, it is true, like I said, that many of us are nervous before we do something, yet not while we're doing something. And I think if you think about that, that it's actually kind of an interesting distinction. And some of the reason that happens is that before we do it, we have time to think, <laughs> right? We have time, whether, you know, whatever ring you're competing in, when you're standing at the gate or you're on deck, you're next to go, you know, you have all the time in the world to think about all of the terrible things that could go wrong, right? Um, you know, just talking to someone for the obedience ring, same kind of thing. She starts to get anxiety as soon as she enters, you know, or even before she enters, right? Because the obedience ring is, is, is a very specific type of energy that really is not something that is easy for her to align with. And quite frankly, we actually talked about the fact that we, she doesn't want to align with it, not ever. She wants to be her own person in that ring. But the point is, is you start to, you have time to entertain all of these other thoughts and fears before you walk in the ring. Once you walk in the ring, now if you're in obedience, you've got the judge talking to you, you've got exercises you have to execute. If you're in agility, you've got a course to run and you've got a lot to think about. So suddenly your mind is pulled forward into your task and away from the spinning wheel of fear because it is a thought that we decide to keep having, all right? Which is an interesting thing, right? So scientifically, we're told that we really only have a thought, a particular thought only lasts for a matter of seconds. And I've heard as few as 17 and as many as 52. I don't know why, this is very specific numbers. Um, But regardless, it's less than a minute. So if we're having a thought for, let's say, an hour, Okay, that means that we are reinvesting in the thought. That means that every time that thought expires, we we say, bring it, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yet when we walk into the ring and we suddenly have to perform tasks like run an agility course, we don't have the headspace, the mental space to reinvest in that thought. We only have so much kind of thinking power in those moments and something like agility really gets you focused fast. So it's taking this person a few jumps to get into that mode and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I I have no other mental space for anything other than what I'm going to do. So it makes sense that we get nervous before, but we're not necessarily nervous during, all right? Now, if you're thinking, but I am nervous in the obedience ring, are you nervous during healing? Or are you nervous in between exercises? And if you're nervous during healing, are you really truly connected with your dog, right? Or is your mind taking you, quote, somewhere else, all right? So we're, we're going to get to solution, <laughs> I promise, in the latter half of this. But think about that and think about what you're thinking about um, in those moments and how that's working out for you, okay? So 
Because it's true that our brain also is really only thinking about one thing at a time. We talk about, we laugh about, we praise multitasking. But true multitasking is really just the ability to bounce from one task or one thought to another and back again very quickly. You're literally bouncing. And if you think about what's happening in your head when you're doing that, um, I don't know, I always get this like very cartoon vibe about it, but it's like, you know, very roadrunner feeling, right? I'm over here, I'm over there, I'm over here, I'm over there. But I'm still only in one place at a time. Okay, so our brains, as much as we think we multitask, and we do multitask maybe, but we don't really multithink, we bounce. And that's why some of those days when you're really busy can be really exhausting, or some days where you're really nervous or anxious or have a lot of fear about something can be really exhausting because you spent the day doing these mental gymnastics of, I'm scared to death, I need to pet my dog. I'm scared to death, I need to walk my dog. I'm, you know, And you're going all over the place and that's very tiring. You're also, and we're talking about this this month in the Q membership, you're also really telegraphing that vibration, that energy a little bit manic, I'm going to say, to your dog. And so when we expect our partners to show up for us, yet they're so sensitive to our emotions and our states of mind and our energies, and we wonder why they walk into like the obedience ring or the agility ring. And, you know, on the agility line, you see dogs all the time that are just scratching their collars, right? They don't even have a collar on and they're just scratching, right? It's their way of disconnecting. It's their way of saying like, I don't know who I just walked in the ring with, but it's not mom. Um, In obedience, you see that all the time, right? They disconnect, you know, they drop their head, they look away. Um, And it's their way of saying like, I am not really enjoying your energy right now. Um, If you could bring my mom back, that'd be awesome. So we need to mind our energy and that energy, that frenetic, fearful, anxiety-filled energy, because we are, quote, sending it down the leash, all right? It's a popular uh, quote or saying for a reason, okay? They feel all of that. So when we think we're multitasking, we're not. We're bouncing. And so focus is definitely going to show up on your solution list, all right? So um, the next thing I want to talk about is what is actually happening in your brain and when we are in fear, okay? So the brain... And I'm going to oversimplify, and I'm not going to say all the science words, but your brain is basically divided into three parts. Let's say frontal cortex, let's say midbrain, and your back amygdala slash otherwise known as the charming lizard brain, okay? Your lizard brain is basically responsible for keeping you alive, okay? It makes sure you remember to breathe and to um, be thirsty or hungry and survive and run from bears and just like do the things that keep you alive, all right? Your midbrain is the go-between, is the middle. Between your keep-you-alive brain, the lizard, and your frontal cortex, which is taking in all of this information, We as humans have bigger frontal cortexes than our dogs, but it works a little bit the same and it just has really different proportions. So for us, what happens when we are in fear is that with our frontal cortex, we perceive a situation. Could be about to walk in the ring, okay? Then we send that message 
to our mid cortex or middle brain, really, which says like, hmm, how should I feel about this? I, I see this information. We're at an agility trial. We're next to go in. The midbrain says, what should I do with this information? Am I in danger? Is this a safe spot? Am I excited? Am I happy? Am I afraid? What should I do? If the midbrain decides that it's afraid or this is a stress or fear, anxiety, again, interchangeable in this podcast only, <laughs> um, then it sends the message or the, the scene, I'll say, back to the amygdala, the lizard brain that says, oh, dear God, we have a red flag in aisle 10, okay? And then at that point, your lizard brain sends, goes into the flight or fight or even freeze mode, literally changes the blood flow of your body and sends the blood flow to larger muscles so that you can run or fight, okay, flight or fight. It also changes your heartbeat. So it elevates your heartbeat in case you need to get ready to run. And it changes your breathing because you're going to need more lung capacity to be able to run away. All right. So or fight, right? Either way, you're going to need the, your blood flow to be different, everything. Your blood flow changes more than 30% in that instance. So more than 30% of your blood flow is diverted from important things like thinking um, into your like big muscles. So when you hear phrases like, I couldn't even feel my feet. I, you know, I feel like I was completely out of my mind. Um, I don't even know what I was thinking. Um, when you feel, when you hear those phrases, they come from true physiological changes that are actually occurring when you go into a type of fear state, all right? Now, depends on the fear, depends on how long it lasts, depends on a lot of factors. But generally speaking, this is the order of operations, all right? So when our caller, <laughs> right, longtime caller, um, our a listener rather, is, um, is standing at the gate and feeling anxiety, Let's we can call it ring nerves, but it's a form of anxiety. Feeling that anxiety, she's sending the message. She sees the situation. She sends the message back to her midbrain that goes, yep, be very afraid. And her lizard brain starts doing the lizardy things and diverts the blood flow, makes her heart beat faster, changes the flow and the, her breathing, okay? but So what it just happened is she's not thinking with her frontal cortex anymore. She's literally lost blood flow and she's lost, she's handed over the keys to the lizard. Now the lizard's driving, okay? This is why I like saying lizard brain instead of amygdala. It's easier to spell too. Um, so now the lizard's driving. So now she walks into the ring. She gets through the first three, four jumps, probably on autopilot, okay? But by the fourth jump, her frontal cortex has said, oh shit, I need to think. Like I need to be thinking about what I'm doing. And by just the act of deciding that you need to think and make decisions and, and involve your critical thinking, your, your amygdala, your lizard brain goes, okay, everybody calm down. Every, you know, everything's okay. Sends the blood flow back to the front of the brain. She can hear herself think. And now she's back. In her case, she's not nervous anymore right? Because that anxiety literally 
physically shifted in her body. Okay, so um, thank you to our uh, our listener for giving us this example to walk through, because I think it's really important that you realize that in that moment, there are physiologic physiological things that are happening that are making your body react. Now, this is where you can say, I feel this. I can turn this. I can tell the midbrain. No, no, no. Don't call it fear. Call it excitement. And you have a choice in that moment, right? To decide like, oh, those butterflies, I'm actually excited. And I've done that with my dogs. I've first, you know, whatever reason you get to the gate and you're more excited that are more whatever nervous or you're just feeling it more. Maybe it's the environment. Maybe it's a big event or whatever. Maybe it's nothing. It's just a Saturday. Um, And I've literally looked down at my dogs and said, because I realize I'm sending that energy down to them, I've said, I don't know why I feel like this. I guess I'm just really excited. I can't wait to get back in there. And just the act of saying that out loud shifts my perception of the moment, regrounds me, can start to, quote, feel my feet again, right? Because again, that's physical. And wiggle my toes in my shoes, you know, think about what I had for breakfast. And that's a little bit of a foreshadowing. We're going to get there. And and reconnect with my dog and take a breath. And then I can walk into the ring and do my job. Because if I let myself, quote, get carried away by, you know, the lizard, then it is going to take me a few minutes before my brain goes, hey, we better think about what we're doing here because she's actually running around obstacles. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I just, I'm sharing all of that because I think it's really important to know that this is what's happening in your body because now, now that you know, you know that there are a number of moments where you can intervene and interrupt that. And if, you, if you've already gone to lizard status, <laughs> you can actually bring it back quicker and get better and more practiced at bringing that back, recognizing what's happening and getting you back into like a thinking present tense moment. All right. All right. I hope you're still with me. Okay, so one other thing I want to talk about here then, and we mentioned the beginning, the other thing is this like this concept of like just leaping, right? Taking, taking a leap, uh, being pushed, um, the power of leaping, however you want to call it, whatever is the phrase that you've heard. Again, the reason that works is once you leap, you are forced to think, okay? You are forced to quote, MacGyver yourself out of this situation, right? Because now you're like, oh my God, I was afraid to walk in the ring. Like I've, I have a friend of mine who gets really nervous and then comes up with all of these like really intensely rational reasons why she's just not going to run. And I've been like, no, you're going and you're next and you're going now. And it's not pushing her into the ring by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Well, maybe a little stretch of the imagination. But it is saying, no, you're going. I'm pushing you. And sure enough, she comes out of the ring. Every time this happens, she comes out of the ring smiling. Because the fear of doing it is worse than the doing. Okay? and But we spend more time kind of in our premonition state, right? I call it a great waste of imagination, right? Worrying is a great waste of imagination. You have all of this time to imagine these outcomes and you are literally choosing to imagine the worst ones. You're making a choice. 
It's not pretty, (laughs) but it's true. And it's happened to all of us. So again, when someone gives you that push, makes you take that leap, um, I don't know, maybe gives you the faith, you know, lends you their faith in you until you have some of your own. Uh, You know, those are the moments where they're pushing you into the ring. And then all of a sudden your brain is like, well, we better think our way through this. All right. And then lizard, bye-bye, frontal cortex, hello. And now you're off to the races. Okay. So those are some of the things that are happening when you are standing at the gate and you're feeling that way. And the reasons why that maybe like once you get going, you are able actually to perform. And, you know, agility might be a little easier in that it's a little more active and you have to figure out how to run around the ring without, you know, falling down. Um, But even I'll argue in obedience or rally or draft or some of the other sports, you know, you still, there is still a point where you are in motion now and you just got to do the work that's in front of you. And you got to, and we're going to talk about this next, you got to make choices that are choices to focus on and be present and connect back with your dog and focus on what you're doing. Okay. Um, in agility, our, our uh, listener is, you know, the agility ring is almost making that choice for her and helping pull her forward. In the obedience ring, you might need to be the one who makes that choice. Okay. I'm going to catch my breath for a minute and we'll be right back. Thanks for taking this brief break with me. I wanted to make you aware of the show notes. If you were listening via Apple Podcast app, you should be able to scroll or swipe up so that you can see information below where you see the play button. You might also find the show notes from hitting more if you see that on the main podcast page. In Spotify, you're looking for the see more text. And I'm bringing this up because I know some of you are new to podcasts and thank you for allowing me to be your gateway into some really great content. Um, But the show notes, whether it's for this show or for any show, they contain kind of extra information. In my case, they contain the overview of the episode as well as links to my monthly membership group, uh, that summit joint product I'm always going on and on about. And they also contain the ability to support this show through this great invention called buy me a coffee. Okay, so basically be sure to check out the show notes if you ever need more information or you just want to learn more about something or you just want to support the show. All right, enough about that. Let's get back to it. All right, now let's talk about what to do about this, okay? Because that's really why we listen. So but it's good. You now have this foundation. You now have this understanding of what's happening. So you know now that you need to intervene in this process, okay? Because you don't want to give the lizard the keys to your brain, okay? Very simply put, okay? Lizards don't get to drive. So we want to talk through these things again and think about and visualize, right, yourself being at the ring. And if you visualize yourself you know, this is the one time I'll allow kind of negative visualization. Visualize yourself being that version of you that is nervous and is really uncomfortable um, because that's the version we're talking to right now because we're going to give that person some tools to get out of that moment, okay? So a couple things we're going to talk about. First of all, we want to make sure that you are very clear on what your goals are 
before you, even when you get up that day, right? Before you get to the ring. Because once you get to the ring, you can't be suddenly thinking, oh, I wonder what my goals are, (laughs) right? Because sometimes the lack of preparation starts to make us nervous, all right? Oh, I I don't know what I'm going to do there. Oh, maybe I didn't practice enough. Um, I don't know what my goals are today. Oh, I, I just hope I cue, right? And you just go there. Instead of having real process goals, being able to ground yourself in what you want to accomplish when you walk into that ring, okay? If I'm going into an agility ring, um, I am not thinking, oh, I hope I cue or I'm trying to cue. I'm thinking I need to execute that turn over there. I need to make sure I'm in the right position for this side change here. Uh, And I need to remember to run past the last jump so that I don't pull up too early, right, for instance. Um, And what I'm working on is before I was working on more eye contact with Moxie, now I have too much. So I have a Goldilocks problem and I'm working on just her seeing the side of my face, okay? Actually, there's probably one or two too many goals, process goals to have. But by having those process goals, my mind isn't bouncing. I know what I'm focused on. And then I can look down to my dog and I can be like, okay, now I'm going to get in my warm-up routine. So you need to have some plans and some rituals that pull you back into the present moment. My gate ritual is very strong no matter what ring I'm going in. I am using that time to warm up my dog's body. For different events, they may need different amounts of it, but I'm doing whatever the max is. I'm doing basically my agility warm-up for every ring I go into. Because it's practiced, it's familiar, it has become a grounding thing. Uh, Any of you who watch either baseball or golf, Um, you know, a golfer will take the exact same amount of practice swings every time. Uh, A batter will also take the same amount of practice swings that have the same rituals. And those rituals, yes, they warm up the body. Yes, they uh, get their muscles kind of firing and and clicked in. Um, But more than anything, they are grounding those athletes to the present moment and what they have to do. Uh, there's, you know, one of the, one of my favorite movies might not be a great, that's probably not a great movie, but for the love of the game, you know, Kevin Costner stands on the mound before he pitches and he says, clear the mechanism, right? So those are some of the rituals that you need to have, quite frankly, so that you have something to ground you that is familiar, potentially repetitive, gets you back in the present moment and um, allows you to, you know, have that clear the mechanism moment, okay? So that's part one, because that keeps you from bouncing around in your thoughts. You've got to give yourself something to focus on, all right? And a, and a ring to, a, a on-deck ritual will really help you focus and, and ground yourself, okay? So that's one thing I need you to do. The other thing I need you to do is, um, is breathe, All right. It's super simple. And uh, yeah, the lizard is keeping you alive. But if you're in a fear mode, your breathing isn't constructive, even really. It's not conscious. It's certainly not probably deep and full. Um, You can do a big inhale, you know, hold inhale for like four counts, hold it for four counts. And then I would suggest if you're at the gate and you're really feeling it, you exhale through your mouth and exhale big and blow out all that anxiety, okay? 
And I promise you that even the act of doing a few of those will put you back in control of your breath. And let me tell you, one of the reasons that breath is so important is it is a very big signal to the rest of your body and to the lizard that, hey, I'm breathing and I'm breathing slow and deeply. I'm in control of my breath. So therefore, I'm safe. All right. It is a huge signal to your body that you are, in fact, safe. And it starts to quiet those fears and it starts to shift your blood flow, your lung capacity and your heart rate back into normal state. Okay, so that's really important. Breath work is really important. And so much so that uh, one of the early episodes on this podcast, I have a super quick breath exercise, breathing exercise. Um, and I think it's like it's like a couple minutes. Like it's sh- we're talking short, short, short. So go back, listen to it, favorite it, whatever, and, and incorporate that into your on deck or even your morning routine, okay? All right, the next thing I want you to get better at doing, and I say better because again, it's a practice, um, is visualizing, all right? I alluded to it before, you cannot use your imagination for evil, (laughs) all right? And by evil, of course, I mean worry and dread and thinking of all the horrible things that could happen. And um, because the more what you think about is what happens, right? Your thoughts form what you believe and it forms what you do. Um, and it's everything from, oh, you know what I never see is like, you know, when we used to say like yellow bugs, right? The VWs, um, cars. And then all of a sudden all you would see is yellow, yellow VWs, right? Or I haven't seen a red car in a while. And, you know, next thing you're, you're you see one. And it's because the, the term these days is they call it because your RAS is on. You're, you're on for, you've, you've awakened that part of your brain to sort of be on the lookout for those things. Well, by thinking all these negative thoughts and all of these horrible things that could happen in the ring, um, your RAS is on for all the negative. So visualization really helps to turn that around and not only imagine how you want things to go, but it also turns your RAS on for all the things that could go right. And then you are automatically looking to validate those thoughts and ideas and looking for evidence that that is true. So you want to be looking for good evidence, right? You want to be using that powerful imagination of yours to imagine a great day. And it doesn't even have to be a perfect run, okay? But it every time you feel, hear, whatever yourself go to that like negative, you know, anvil falling on head place, that's when you just recognize it and you just turn it around. Even if you think about like yummy chocolate chip cookies, okay? It doesn't have to be, oh my God, I'm going to I'm gonna trip on my, on my shoelaces and you turn it around to, I'm going to walk gracefully through the obedience ring. That might not be believable for you, right? Graceful's never been an adjective used to describe me. Um, so instead you may say, turn it around and say like, God, you know, I feel so good when I have, you know, Ben and Jerry's fish food for a reward. Okay, seemingly unrelated, but what you're doing is you're fixing your energy towards something positive. So if you can't reach for, you know, the opposite or the good version of what you're thinking about, the negative thing you're thinking about, then reach for something else that just moves your energy in the right direction. And it will also help you 
quote, snap out of it, okay, and get back in control within that frontal cortex. Does that make sense? All right. And I also have a great visualization exercise in an earlier podcast too, which kind of helps you set your intentions for the morning. So I highly suggest that. It's a short guided visualization. You can do it. Try it. Okay. Lastly, it's about building focus. All right. Because again, when you know, the theme of all of this is really letting your mind go in crazy places. Okay. That's really the kind of the theme here. You know, whether you're standing at the in gate, you're next to go in your agility run, and you're afraid of something bad is going to happen, right? That is your mind entertaining and giving light to all of these fears and all of these negatives. Um, or, you know, whether it's, you know, something else, maybe it's a drive to work, or maybe you think you're going to be late, you, you have, you know, the dream the night before that you're late and you miss your run or whatever it is. Um, that is letting your mind do what it wants to do. And as a species, we have managed to stay around this earth this long because we are wired to look for the negative. And by looking for the negative, we then can avoid the thing that is trying to eat us. Okay. Well, nothing is trying to eat you in the agility or obedience ring. And by acting like something is, that's the information you're giving to your dog. So now you're telling your dog, be afraid of what's in this ring because I'm scared to death. And your dog's like, I mean, all right, dragons, haven't seen one in person, but maybe there's one in there. So we have to really get in control of that. And one way we do that is by building our ability to be in the present and bring, and build our, I always call it a focus muscle, which of course is not a thing, but we want to build our ability to focus for longer and longer periods of time. Okay, so that becomes really important. Of course, we do that through meditation. We do that through, you know, some of these exercises, visualization, breathing. Um, If you can do that breath thing I described earlier and you just can do it five times in a row, you're building your ability to focus, believe it or not. It's not difficult. You don't have to sit cross-legged on a mountain covered in mosquitoes um, when it's 90 degrees outside in order to do this, okay? Yes, meditation is a fact fabulous thing. And yes, there are better and better meditation options and apps and all of those things out there. And I'm a big fan. But if that's not where you are, then just practice holding your thoughts on one thing and being in the present moment. And maybe it's just your breath. Okay. That will help you be able to focus on what you need to focus on when you are getting ready to walk in the ring. Okay. Because some of that is, is we don't have the stamina to hold a thought for that long, all right? It sounds ridiculous, but it is true. And I do think the pandemic has not helped us in any by any means, um, but we have to get better at that, okay? So those are my tips. You need to stop bouncing around in your head and focus on those rituals and those things that ground you right before you get in the ring. Think batter's box, think, you know, golfer at a tee, um, you know, whatever, what clear, clear the mechanism, whatever resonates for you, right? I want you to think about breathing and what is your breathing exercise and how do you reconnect with your breath and tell your body through your breath that you are in fact safe, Okay. The next thing is, is to visualize, visualize more positive outcomes, visualize what you want to happen. 
Stop letting your imagination run wild in a direction you don't want to follow. And then build that focus muscle so that you are able to um, focus for, you know, longer periods of time. Okay. And those things will all help you immensely. Okay. So I want to thank our listener for the question sparked a great dialogue today. And oh, I have one more tip for you that I alluded to and then forgot to do. Um, Okay, so when I mentioned the breakfast thing before, so one of the ways, and remember, one of the reasons that your fear subsides, say, at jump four, um, is because your frontal cortex is thinking again, right? Well, one of the other ways when you feel yourself in fear that you can get yourself thinking again is to either ask yourself or have a friend ask you when they sort of recognize that look on your face, to have them ask you like an easy question. What did you have for breakfast? What pants are you wearing? Where did you get that shirt? Anything. Even if you look at yourself and you look down at your shirt and you're like, where did I get this shirt? And it's an easy answer because you you bought it for yourself. So of course, you know, Um, that makes your brain start to think. And that starts to pull the blood flow back into the front of your brain. And if you're starting to think, now you're starting to shift your blood flow and your oxygen and your heartbeat and all of that other kind of stuff. So Don't underestimate the power of the stupid question, okay? Whether it's to yourself or maybe to your dog or maybe you get someone else to ask you that. Um, Think about that. That could be a really good one. Okay. This has been a long one, but a good one. I think it's super important. Uh, This is something everybody wrestles with on some level or another. Uh, You can always let me know how I did, DM me, and give me suggestions because... As I have definitely proven, I take listener requests. All right. Thanks so much. I hope this serves you, and I hope you have a great week with your dogs. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. I would love it if you found me on Instagram or Facebook, at The Q Coach, and let me know how it's going. I also offer a monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out the blog and other free content. And finally, be sure to share, subscribe, and leave a review as it helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.